Hi, this is Glenn Hughes, and you're listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 280 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here. Jason's out this week. But I think I've got a good episode for you, because Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock, is here on this podcast. That's something that I have been wanting to say since we started this podcast almost five and a half years ago. So I'm extremely excited to bring that to you here in just a bit. Of course, I'm going to talk about some Glenn Hughes before that interview, play you some music as well, and try not to fanboy out too much. That's my goal, but that's not a promise that it will happen. So anyway, before we get into all that, of course, I need to let you know who helps pay the bills and support this podcast. Sunset Tattoo, based right here in our hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tattoo shop at 3146 East 15th Street, right in the heart of Midtown Tulsa. Give them a call or shoot them a message so you can set up a time to get in there and discuss what work you need to be, or what work you want done. They've got a Facebook page, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and Instagram at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, where you can see all their work. There's a ton of great, ton of great work they've done. They've got a lot of experience, tw- over 25 years of experience. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They are, of course, state licensed, and more importantly than everything, they were mother approved. So get over to Sunset Tattoo and let them know that we sent you. Also, Med Farm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. Can't miss them if you're coming in from Tulsa. There's billboards on the way to help you get here. So get over there, and the coolest thing is that they've got a drive through which I know a lot of dispensaries don't offer. So you can call ahead, text ahead, email ahead, place your order, and then just head right to the drive through and get in and out pretty quick. You can also check out their complete line of uh, products on leafly.com. You can also go into the store. It's not closed out. So wear a mask and get in there. And if you tell them that Thunder Underground sent you, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is very cool. They're always running other specials. So follow them on their social medias on Facebook and Instagram at MedFarmOK. Their website's MedFarmOK.com. And above all else, 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a huge cause that is amazing. And that's the reason I think there's a dispensary, like we say, on every corner in this area now. There's literally a dispensary like going in like less than a quarter mile from Med Farm. But there's dispensaries everywhere. So I know that, you know, it's more convenient to you to, to go to the one that's like 12 feet from your house rather than drive 10 or 15 minutes over here. But I'm telling you, nearly a third of their profits are going to build no-kill animal shelters. So it's completely worth that. So... Get over there and tell them we sent you and get your discount, and we appreciate MedFarm as always. Hell Hot Hot Sauce, our most recent sponsor, makes some great hot sauce. They are a husband and wife team based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They make small batch artisan hot sauces. They do collaborations with some metal artists. They've got a sauce called Brain Jerk with Ghoul, and they've got a sauce called Florida Frank's Florida Heat with Florida Frank from Hate Breed. 
we got a hold of some of that and it is excellent. It is extremely hot and it is extremely good. So get on their Facebook and follow them at Hell Hot Hot Sauce and then get on their website, hellhothotsauce.com to check out all their products. They've got t-shirts as well. So show them some love and tell them that Thunder Underground sent you. Finally, DEB Concerts is a promoter based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They've brought a ton of great acts that we love on this podcast. We've had several of them as guests on this podcast throughout the years. Bands like Saxon, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, Warrant, Bisto Blanco, Winger, Striper, Dockin, Last in Line, Buckcherry. A huge-ass long list. They also booked Poison, Tom Kiefer, and Sebastian Bach at the BOK Center this year. But, of course, that is postponed to next year. We'll let you know whenever news comes out on that. But in the meantime, here coming up soon on August 15th, Dead Metal Society with Rocket Science will be at the Ideal Ballroom. And in October 23rd, LA Guns will be returning to the Ideal Ballroom. You can get ticket info for both those at debconcerts.com. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter so you get totally up-to-date news. And of course, we bring it to you here every episode as well. So a huge thank you to DEB Concerts. All right, I'm going to play you some music here right out the gate. This is a relatively new song came out here in the past month or two from a new band based here out of our hometown of Tulsa, Oklahoma. This band is called Tenebrous, and this song is called Patricker.
Patricker from Tenebrous. I'm actually not sure if I'm saying that song title right. So forgive me if I'm wrong, guys. But that's a brand new track from, like I said, Tenebrous. They're based here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They've got an EP coming out here pretty soon with three or four songs on it. And that, as you heard, was instrumental. But their other song, they're not an instrumental band. The other songs will have vocals. But wanted to throw that your way because it's got on the drums an old friend of the podcast, Trevor Tree, who has been on this podcast before. And, you know, we've mentioned many times throughout the years. So anyway, get on Facebook and follow him. That's T-E-N-E-B-R-O-U-S. Give him a like and let him know we sent you. All right, something I thought was uh, kind of funny that just kind of popped up. It was actually yesterday, I think, whenever this uh, came out. But Jamie Josta sent out a tweet where he said, here, let me pull this up and read. He said, $50,000 donation to Metallica's All Within My Hands Foundation. If they let D. Snyder, Kirk Winstein, Sebastian Bach, Rob Flynn, and myself and others write our own vocals over Lulu's instrumentals. It couldn't hurt. No diss to Lou Reed. I'm just brainstorming recording ideas while we aren't touring. That is kind of interesting, and I know that the consensus is most people don't care for Lulu, but, I mean, I listened to it one time after it came out, and so I can't really remember much, but I remember I didn't... Didn't really care for it, but I didn't dislike it. I mean, I I tried to listen to it for what it was because most people, most people that hate it or blow it off are looking at it like, oh, it's a Metallica album with Lou Reed, but it's really not. It was a Lou Reed album with Metallica, and it it wasn't ever meant to be. I knew, you know, you know, going in that it's not going to sound like Metallica. So, but anyway, I'm and I have no problem with it. I mean, I think it's cool that Metallica did that. You know, they're in a position they can do what they want, and they were able to record with an artist that they loved. But I don't know if even if you take those that music and put these guys he mentioned, like Rob Flynn or Kirk Winstein or Jamie Josta or Dee Snyder on him, if it's going to like come off right. I don't know. I love all those guys. But it just seems like to me that that wouldn't necessarily sound as amazing as Jamie Jostam might think it was, but I don't know. I would sure as hell listen to it because like I said, I love all those guys and I love Metallica as well. So anyway, just thought that was kind of a interesting, you know, tweet that came out there from, from Jamie Jostam. So just wanted to pass that along to anyone listening that might not have, have heard that. So, all right, let's uh, play another song. I'm going to play a song from Red Witch Johnny. We've played them in the past two or three times throughout the years. They had an excellent album come out in 2019. I know we played Cosmic Rain last year after that came out. But we're going to play a song right now called Gypsy Queen.
Gypsy Queen from Red Witch Johnny from their album Tells of the Electric Mistress. Check that album out. It's fantastic. All their stuff is if you follow them on, you know, wherever, however you listen to music. If you stream music, Spotify, iTunes, Google Music, all that stuff, or if you band camps, a much better way to do that, I think, for for these bands, but you know, check out Red Witch Johnny wherever you do. They've got a couple albums out and some other singles as well. Great band out of out of this area. They're out of the Oklahoma area as well. So just wanted to give them another shout out because I thought they, they fit in well with the the Glenn Hughes vibe and the old deep purple kind of stuff. So anyway, like I said, Red Witch Johnny, give them a follow and like and of course tell them we sent you. Alright. Now the the subject at hand is Glenn Hughes. You know, back when we started this podcast and we we got on a few artists that were, you know, established artists like guys from Battlecross and Warrant and Crowbar, Overkill, and all the early stuff we got. And we started realizing that, you know, hey, we're building this up and we're able to get, get some good artists. We made out a list, you know, we sat down one time and made a list and of just kind of like our dream, you know, like, of course, you know, Jason's favorite band's Metallica, so a dream would be to have one of those guys on, which that's still kind of out of reach, I think, but, you know, my favorite band's Guns N' Roses, and, you know, I'd love to be able to have Duff or Slash on here. We had Dizzy Reed on here late last year, which was really cool. But we we made out that list of the dream guest, and Glenn Hughes, of course, was on that list. And he was kind of on the list of guys we thought that might be out of reach for a while, but maybe eventually we'll get there, and here we are five years later. So He's got... If, I, I assume most people listening to this probably know what Glenn Hughes has been up to, but if for some reason you haven't, the guy has been pretty prolific. Through, you know, not just throughout his career, but especially over the past decade, last 10 to 15 years, you know, he's had several albums with Black Country Communion, which everybody knows, and those are all fantastic. Really looking forward to the next one, which I believe I saw a news story from an interview with either him or Joe Bonamassa, or it might have been talked about on that. Joe Bonamassa actually had Glenn Hughes on his his podcast recently, so it's probably where it came from. But they said that Black Country Communion, a new album, wouldn't be before next year. So hopefully that is a thing that it comes out next year. But, you know, in any way, you had California Breed like six or eight years ago. Another fantastic album that if you haven't heard, you need to hear. His most recent solo album was 2016. Resonate is fantastic. This guy has a lot of solo albums throughout his years, throughout the years, and, you know, of course, everybody knows the early stuff with Trapeze and Deep Purple. You know, he was in, he did Hughes Thrall, and then, of course, he was in Black Sabbath for one album, Seventh Star, which that's kind of like the album that a lot of people blow off because it wasn't supposed to, you know... It was intended to be Tony Iommi's solo album, and the record label said this has to be a Black Sabbath album, you know, because they were hoping, you know, they figured that would push sales better than just saying Tony Iommi. But 
regardless, I mean, it's not your typical, like, what people know when they think of Sabbath with Ozzy or Dio, music-wise, at least. And it, But it, I still love the album, and I know that the tour, you know, has been well-documented, that it didn't go well, but, you know, we've still got that music from that album that's great, and that was 1986, and then in 1996, they recorded the Depth Sessions, which actually didn't come out until several years later. And then in 2005, they put out Fused. Both of those albums were under Tony Iommi's name. Well, I believe it was Tony Iommi with Glenn Hughes is how it was billed. Both those albums are fantastic. I mean, I kind of I mentioned that here in the interview that his work with Tony Iommi is just unbelievable. And I was kind of like several years ago, I thought, well, we got one in 86. We got something in, you know, recorded in 96 and in 2005, that was roughly every 10 years. So then maybe 2015 or 2016, we might get one again. But of course, that's around the time when Black Sabbath was doing the end tour. Of course, Glenn Hughes has, like I said, all this stuff going on. But, you know, hopefully we'll get something down the line before it's too late while we can still get some music out of these legendary artists that are getting up there in age. But like I said up front, the voice of rock, Glenn Hughes, is one of the greatest rock singers of all time. I mean, that's my opinion, but I think that's, I don't think that's something that most people would argue. If I had to make my Mount Rushmore of vocalists, he would definitely be one of the four guys on there. This is a huge highlight for me, and I'm really excited to check this one back out. So let's get right into it. Here's, I didn't even, well, I didn't even mention beforehand, as you know, as you're listening to this, Glenn Hughes is now in the Dead Daisies. I was kind of leading into that, and I forgot to mention it, but they've released a couple singles, and then they released the Lockdown Sessions, which was an EP that just came out a couple weeks ago with those singles acoustic, and they also did an acoustic version of 30 Days in a Hole and an acoustic version of Fortunate Son. So, something to kind of hold us over until we get the full album coming up in January. So now we talk about a lot about dead daisies here coming up, so let's just jump right into it. Here is Glenn Hughes. guys released the lockdown sessions a couple weeks ago like how did you guys uh-huh. record that was it recorded remotely from each other and then pieced together or did you guys record it live remotely or how did you do that process you know we did it separately and you know when we you know we didn't know how long this was going to last did we so we did unspoken i guess maybe it was april or something like that and then and then we said you know in May, I think we did another one, and we just did three or four, as you know. And yeah, it was all done separately, and we flew each all all the stuff in on uh, onto our computers, and we had to edit. Someone edited edited the uh, it all in London. Like as far as like working it, you know, from a working excuse me, working it into an acoustic version. Did like Doug and David handle that, and then you? do your vocals and bass lines or how did that work? Yeah. I mean, it was, 
that's the way it was done. It, uh, you know, Unspoken was started off at my house, you know, along because I played the guitar on that one as well. And then Zug and I spoke over the phone, over Skype and Zoom about how we would proceed to do the other songs. And it just, you know, like everyone else has been doing, we just wanted to keep in touch with everybody via, via Skype and Zoom uh, for, for these lockdown sessions. Right. Well, with you guys having to delay Holy Ground until January, how much of the album did you guys have completed before all this pandemic hit? Oh, my God. We recorded the album in November, December in France in the Chateau last year. And we came home for Christmas and then we went into a studio in North Hollywood and mixed it. And, you know, the album was supposed to come out in, in May. And, of course, things changed for everyone. So we decided the best way to release it was tentatively when we could go on record. Oh, sorry, when we could go out on the road to play this, this album for the fans. Okay. Which, of course, is going to be, fingers crossed, which will be, which will be next year. Right. Well, is uh, Unspoken and Righteous Days both on the, on the album or are those standalone tracks? No, they're the first two songs that we, we recorded. Okay. Actually, we recorded those in Hollywood last August at Sunset Sound. You know, we did a couple, we did those two songs before we went to France. So many songs were written for this Holy Ground album, uh, and long may that continue. But do you guys plan to release any more singles before January, or are you going to kind of just go with the lockdown sessions for now? I don't know. I, I believe we will. Uh, I'm not sure about that. It, it, whatever's going to happen will happen soon, I guess. Going back to when you, you joined the Dead Daisies, who was it that approached you? Was it Doug with your experience working with him, or was it David, or yeah. how did that come together? Uh, funny enough, it was the management who contacted me from Sydney, Australia. Somebody, I met somebody at the NAMM show 2019 in LA and in January that said that they were trying to get a hold of me. So I knew something was going on. I don't know what, what, what they wanted or how they wanted to proceed, but I met with Davey Lowry, the guitar player, lovely fellow. He came from New York to LA to meet me for lunch. This would have been March, early March or early April of last year. And we had a discussion about, the changing of the guard where John and Marco were leaving the band and they wanted someone to come in. There was a songwriter and they could sing and play. And, uh, they came to me and, and we figured it. The dead Daisies being an established band. What do you think the addition of you on vocals and bass brings to the band that might change the direction or the sound or anything? For me, you know, they primarily wanted songs, you know, uh, they wanted to not stay. They wanted to, I think, and, and you can ask them this, but they were more of an 80s sounding band. And I am, as you know, from a 70s guy from my work in Deep Purple and Trapeze. So um, they wanted to take a look at more of a, a retro vibe from that. But I actually am that guy because I lived in that genre in the decade of the 70s. So for me to write that material is, is second nature because it's who I am. Right. 
having, you know, I mean, you've worked with, with Doug in the past. How do you feel the chemistry with Dean and David was coming in? Right. We, um, to let you know, I, I finished my USA touring schedule in Michigan last May the 3rd or something. And David flew out on his jet to see me play in Michigan. And he flew me back to New York with him to join Doug and Dean, who had flown in from L.A. And we, re- we you know, we rehearsed in, in, in SAR for a couple of days. That's when we figured out this was going to work. Did you guys discuss the, the live shows at this point already? Or was that something that hadn't been worked out yet? No, we 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 were only primarily interested in in new material, as you know. With any band, this is well before the uh, the virus. Any band that's going to make a record is going to go tour, and you know the Dead Days is can can tour globally. So they were really interested in in the new songs that I was going to bring in to to play for the band, and that was the primary purpose. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of curious, like if if you guys would stick mainly to the new album, or if you would pull in some of those songs that John had sang, or or how you were going to approach that. I think, in my opinion, the way forward for the Dead Days is is to play a few songs from the Dead Days' Mark II, if you will, and primarily play a lot of Holy Ground. This is a new band and a new genre and a new generation of music um, written in a style that the classic rock fans like, you know, so, but we wanted to make sure that we were in a place where the Dead Daisies fans would understand it. And and so far it's going really, really well. So, you know, I think when they hear the album, they'll understand that we did a lot of hard work here. I love John and Marco. They're very dear friends of mine. And uh, I'm really happy to be in the band. Do, do you think it's something where you guys would bring in Deep Purple or Trapeze or anything like that as well? Or maybe, you know, Journey with David's, I mean, Dean singing? Um, I think, I say again, this is only a tentative answer to your question. There's talk about doing, you know, one or two Purple songs that I that I recorded, you know, um, big, big tracks. Um which they have been doing Highway Star for quite some time. So um, there's a possibility of doing that one and Burn, maybe because they're such huge songs that, you know, I recorded and and it's part of the, of, again, it's classic rock. And if you're going to be in a band and you have someone in the band that was part of that genre, you probably want to do that. So it'll be great. Well, when you're writing for Dead Daisies, like, when you compare that to something like Black Country Communion or California Breed or your solo work, like do you approach yeah. do you approach it all the same or do you approach it different based off of who you're playing with? It's a little bit different. It again, the music you just mentioned with California Breed and Black Country Community, it's very classic rock, you know, designed right. for that genre. With the days is um knowing who's in the band and what they do and how they do it. And an important to the fan base is going to, are they going to dig this? So I made sure, if you will, uh, in my studio that I was bringing stuff in that would, that, that would feel it was part of the band. You know, I wanted it to be seamless. And, and that's the whole idea is, is, is making records that hopefully people can see a growth in the songs and they can see 
that I come come in to do the business. Right. Were you the so are you the primary songwriter now on Holy Ground? Primarily, most of the, of the songs are mine, um, written for Doug and David and and um, Dean. So I did bring a lot of material in. Um, so that's where we went from there. And then, of course, everybody gets to experiment on their on their own parts and stuff. But I did get to bring a lot of material with me. You know, speaking of like solo work, it's been a few years since your last album. And, you know, with everything kind of in a shutdown, is that something else you've thought about working on this year? You know, Trent, I'm not sure if I want to do another solo record right now. Um, I'm so busy. In, with Dead Days, as you know, it's a very, it's a band that is constant uh, stuff going on. And um, even with the lockdown, we're doing, you know, these videos and blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of pre-production, a lot of new songs I'm writing at the moment. Um, with solo album for me right now, I don't have the time to do that. And let's be clear right now, it's difficult to talk about doing any more records, I think, you know, so... I have songs, of course, but uh, I'll, I'll, I, as you know, I'm writing at the moment. So all I'm doing is staying in my studio, keeping busy. You know? <laughs> when when you're constantly writing like that, is it always, like now is your headspace? Is it always for the Dead Daisies, or are you just writing music and then kind of doing with it, whichever way you think it should go? Primarily, I'm just working on songs that are for the band. Yes, uh, we have a lot more. There's a lot of work to do here. I mean. They've never really put their stuff to, to put up the gas and, and, and they want to continue, you know, doing as much work. Again, we're tentatively thinking about, you know, what can we do? We've got, as you may know, we've got things booked for next year, as most artists have got things booked for next year. So all we're praying and hoping for, the vaccine will be available so we can all travel. You mentioned right. being busy, you know, during this pandemic and all that stuff, like outside of, you know, working with the Dead Daisies, have you been spending your time on a personal level? like being at home so much? Um, well, I live at the beach and it's, uh, thank God I live in a place that's kind of isolated and, and I get to, I'm a, bit of, I'm a bit of a cardio guy. I like to do a lot of walking and I like to read a lot of books. I've kept myself very, very busy, but I must tell you, I have been writing a lot of new songs and, and that, the way for me to be happy, seriously now, I have a great family and I love my animals and my missus and blah, blah, blah. I have, and I, I see dog a lot now. And, um, but music is the healer for me. It keeps me completely centered. And in this moment, it, uh, thrives me. It gives me so much, uh, love for the planet to make songs that people will get to hear. Like having that feeling and having been doing this for decades, do you feel like this is, you know, you'll be writing music up until your final day? I will. Yeah. People ask me that question, not all the time, but I, I do ask that question. A good friend of mine, who you know, I won't say who it is, but we had a conversation about retirement. And I know a lot of people uh, older than me that are still going, you know, Jagger and, and you know, you know Rob Plant, friends of mine, and they're still going because they love music, you know. It's like... If you are a musician who's a songwriter and you 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 just continue to write, and you know that's what I do. I've been doing it for fifty years, but more so since I've been sober. The last twenty eight years, I've been writing more 
proper songs, you know, about recovery. And in fact, I don't know if you know, but most of my work deals with the human condition and about pretty much the love factor and recovery and being free. And that's where I'm at. I, I know this isn't something that's in the works or even a thing, but I'm, you know, I'm just a big fan of all your work that you've done with Tony Iommi. And I was just wondering if that's yeah. something that's ever been talked about of doing something again in the future. Tony, you know, it's really good. Keith is one of my best. Keith lives right next to me here. But, uh, I speak to Tony once in a while and, you know, we have a bit of a chuckle because every time we speak, we talk about doing some more work, you know. Uh, and all I can say is, is I know Tony's uh, doing riffs at the moment back home. He's, you know, got his studio there and, you know, you know, I've done three albums with Tony and I've done the few, I've done Fuse, I've done Depth Sessions and Seven Stars, you know. So with Tony and I, it's, it, it can happen overnight. It, it just happens really quickly. So all I know about him is, is that all I care about is his health. He's a, he's a great relationship with his wife and daughter and he's happy and he's healthy. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Tony and I did something else. Is it on the cards at the moment? Not today, which you never know. <laughs> right. Like you mentioned, 50 years of doing this. If, if you had to pick one album from your entire career that you feel best like displays who Glenn Hughes is, could you do that? Yeah, and it's it's a song, it's an album your mother and father would love because I mean, trapeze were really big in Oklahoma and Texas in the early 70s before I joined Deep Purple. My biggest interest in my whole musical career, now I've had a lot, lot of success with, with, with Purple and with Iommi, as you know. My biggest achievement as an 18-year-old boy was coming to America and playing to clubs and then eventually moving into theaters and stadiums sorry, arenas, and that would be in, in, you know, the South. And the albums were Medusa and You Are The Music were just the band. Those two albums for me are my pride and joy because they were made uh, before success and those albums garnished some acclaim for me as a writer. And Mel and Dave, who were my partners in the band, we loved each other so much. So my greatest achievement for me was... That's great. Well, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time with me today. Of course. You're welcome, Trent. Have a good day. There you go, Glenn Hughes of the Dead Daisies and Black Country Communion. And, of course, formerly Deep Purple Trapeze, California Breed. The list goes on. A huge thank you to Cat from Catalyst PR. And a huge thank you to Glenn Hughes for taking some time out there to talk to me about everything he's got going on with the Dead Daisies and Tony Iommi and a few other things. Very happy to be able to do that. Like I said up front, you all know he's one of the best singers of all time. Very happy to be able to do this. So if this is your first time checking us out, really appreciate it. As you can tell, 280, so we've got 279 previous episodes you could dig through. We've had on guys from Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, Shine Down, Thin Lizzy. We've had on Bruce Kulick, who of course was in Kiss and now in Grand Funk Railroad. We had on Gene Simmons from Kiss. A few guys from Megadeth, including Dave Elfson, who has a album I'm really looking forward to coming out here pretty soon, I think in the next couple months. 
a covers album with uh, Tom Hazard, you know, who worked with him on his previous solo album. So we're looking forward to hearing that. But yeah, and then we've had on, you know, Alex Skolnick from Testament recently, James Lomenzo, who's with uh, John Fogarty now, of course, formerly with Black Label Society, Megadeth, White Lion, Pride and Glory. And we've had on guys from a lot of the, you know, 80s glam, whatever you want to call it, melodic era, Warrant, Trickster, Firehouse, Tesla, Junkyard, L.A. Guns, Dokken, Lillian Axe, Great White. Also had on guys from, you know, heavy stuff like Crowbar, Superjoint, Crozier Conformity, Prong, White Zombie. The list is, is extremely long, so just dig through there. SoundCloud.com backslash Thunderdash Underground. You can listen to us on iTunes. Google Music, you can listen to us on Spotify now. And tune in and all those other places. So get on NeatThunderUnderground.com. You can listen there as well. You can also find all our socials, so like us or follow us, whatever that one, whatever that particular social allows. And if you share things or like them or whatever, that helps us out greatly because it gets stuff spread around for other people to see. You can also follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube at The Thunder Underground. We've got a lot of videos that are separate from this podcast, so you can dig through there as well. And yeah, I think that covers it for another episode. Like I said, the voice of rock has now been on this episode, so I can... uh Say that we finally accomplished everything that was meant to be. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But <laughs> once again, a huge thank you to Glenn Hughes. And of course, thank you to our sponsors. Hell Hot Hot Sauce, Med Farm, Sunset Tattoo, and DEB Concerts. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground, y'all.